Mate, always loving you. I'm loving giving you just a tip every week. Barbecue Base, the podcast for those that love a little low and slow in their lives. And again, if you're in Auckland, New Zealand right now, you have a lot of time for a little bit of low and slow as we're back in a level three lockdown, which whilst a bugger on the plus side means there should be plenty of smoke rolling through this city right now. And that means that we're recording remotely again. So Noel is holed up in his haven of barbecue in the Glen Eden and um, you know our other other trust guest who we'll, we'll intro in a moment um, is also recording from home so hopefully we won't have any internet problems any sound problems all that kind of stuff and we'll roll straight through um, but as ever I'm joined by my trusty co-host a man so weighty with barbecue knowledge when you look in the sky and you see the moon up there, there's actually a second moon orbiting the Earth, <laughs> pulling with its gravitational field. And that moon, dear listeners, is the barbecue brain <laughs> of my ho- co-host, who makes all gravity-fed smokers drop the coals as they're meant to with its giant pull. It's Barbecue Jesus himself, Noel Hasperdarkis. How are you, Noel? Mate, I'm confused. Was wondering where that was going, but you pulled it back. I'm very well, thank you, Alex. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I thought a little bit of physics would be good to kick off tonight. Some, you know, I think it's physics, isn't it? That's physics. I'm, I'm gravitational super pull. impressed with the way you pulled that back, to be honest. I thought that was, uh, I thought you were going off track there for a minute. <laughs> I'd say it's been about 28 years since I've sat in a school science uh, class. So I'm impressed as well. I'm impressed. Super impressed. (laughs) Thanks uh, as usual to one of our good friends, Jack Daniels for the um, excellent uh, recording equipment that we're using. And I, tonight, I, tonight I'm actually enjoying one of their fine double Jack and cola ready to drink cans, which is a little bit of a favorite for mine when I'm doing barbecue. Um, so look, we're back in lockdown and this show still going ahead. You can't, you can't keep a good thing down. And that certainly applies for us. And we've got a good show for you tonight. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Um, we are joined by one of the most well-known faces in the New Zealand competition scene, um, Carl Granger. And some of you will know him from his time with the Slow Joint Barbecue Team. Others may have uh, been a judge and had him as a head judge or seen him doing work around the NZBA. Or um, some of you just might know him as one of the most passionate PK cooks in the country. And our international (laughs) listeners may have seen him pop up on the PK Fanatics Facebook page. Uh, He's often lurking there. So, Carl, welcome to Barbecue Base. No, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me along. Um, welcome course. welcome carl it's nice to see the yeah. beard looking rugged again mate <laughs> i miss that <laughs> carl yeah. does sport a particularly rugged uh outdoorsy look yeah i mean mate he's he's on track to start competing with ken isn't he shortly i think he's gonna have to enter that comp next year uh, 
Ken's got a lot on me. I've yeah, got a fair bit of catch oh, mate. up. Man. Hey, you've got the old white tufts as well. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. love it. I love it. I love it. It is looking good. It is looking good. <laughs> Welcome, mate. So, Welcome. as we've said, uh, we've all had a fair bit of time to cook in the last few days, thanks to our snap lockdown and what's becoming a sort of semi-regular thing at the moment. Um so, Noel, uh, now I know, what I, well, I know what you're going to talk about first, and so I'm just going to ask you about it. Tell us about the new toy that we've all been seeing. What what arrived for you in the post this week? Um, well, mate, the um, Masterbuilt 560 Gravity Fed, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, that, that basically arrived in the country, I think, last Friday, Clear Customs. Um, you know, first day of lockdown, that arrived on my doorstep at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So um, needless to say, opened the instruction book, started assembling it, and it said it was, you know, roughly an hour 45 build time. So, <laughs> yeah, in between homeschooling the kids at the end of the day, you know, and trying to assemble the barbecue. Yeah, I know. I know. It, was, it, was, um, it, wasn't actually that, it wasn't actually that bad, but you definitely need two people to assemble it. But, yeah, I just couldn't wait to get it assembled. Um, beautiful bit of kit. And then, yeah, just cooked um, a massive brisket on it um and some shorties and i'm gonna have have a crack at some chicken tomorrow so yeah super happy actually because i've been cooking on and off on that for about a year on the demo model which was a sort of 110 volt us model with a step down transformer and look quite frankly it hasn't skipped a beat so it was a bit of a no-brainer me getting my own one when it actually came into the country so it's awesome to actually have my hands on that now and call that my own it is a. I mean, I love gravity feeds. I I really do. But and it looks beautiful. What's the the one thing I think? And it looks great for at home. What's the cooking area like? How much cook area is there on these things? Yeah, I mean, look. Um, if you if you have a look at the post, there was a eight and a half kilo wakanui on the top shelf, and it pretty much occupied the whole top shelf. Um, so that's about two thirds of the width of the bottom grill. And you've probably got room for another brisket that size and a rack of ribs at the front. Or you could probably get six pork butts on there. Um, in its current format with the grill, um, it's probably five racks of ribs. Um, but I do know that Aber are bringing in the extra grill layer. So you'll have three layers in there. So you'll be able to get up to seven racks of ribs for one cook. So it's not um, not the biggest capacity unit. There is a 1050 coming in, which is basically twice the capacity. They haven't got an ETA on that. But for someone, a home cook for me, you know, just cooking generally for the family, I've got multiple other pits. Um, it's absolutely perfect. You know, you can stick a brisket and a pork butt in that and a shorty and it'll just putt, putt away all day long without with minimal, inter- in fact, zero intervention just sits there. It, it's, a, it's a pretty stunning piece of kit. And um, I have seen that, our friend Ken at Barbecue Boy has got – he is a stockist. He is. So if you want one of these beasts, I would say get along to uh, Barbecue Boy online. Uh, so looking at them now, he is selling them for just a shade, a dollar under $1,500, hmm. which seems like a steal. I'd say that's really good value, isn't it, mate? Yeah, I mean, mate, it's, it's very good value. And I think the key thing to note there, I mean, where it's got the advantage over the pellet grills, if you're sort of tossing up between a pellet grill and that, is that it goes up to 700 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's absolutely proper steak searing territory. So you really can use it as a direct grill, a smoker. You know, it's super versatile in that way. So I'll be, I'll be demonstrating that over the next few weeks because I cook a lot of steak anyway. So I'm just going to do it on that. 
and you can still use your wood chunks in there, can't you? You can put the uh, the wood chunks in for the flavour of the smoke, and and you is it got an ashtray where you, they let the ash drop onto, or how does that work? Yeah, so look, um, when I was using the demo model, I was actually putting the wood in with the charcoal. So I put six lumps in, put a lump of wood, six lumps again, and just layer it up like that. But actually, I had a, a, an exchange with Nick Borland, who's got obviously hundreds of hours of experience on gravity feeds. And he said, mate, just stick it in the tray. And then when I actually read the instructions, it does recommend that you put it in the tray anyway. So, yeah, so you stick the uh, – yeah, I didn't I didn't read the instructions. So, um, <laughs> so well, you know. Who does? Um, so yes, <laughs> so I put four chunks in the tray at the bottom. So as the embers burn down onto it, it smolders, and actually, it's a way more efficient way of using the wood chunks. So I think for that cook, I used six wood chunks in total, um, and that gave me about four hours of smoke. So it was yeah, pretty um, pretty economical on the wood as well. And that's probably the other thing they have over the pellets. You know, pellet pellet grills are great, but um, they don't quite give you as much smoke flavor as a. Uh as this will with the charcoal and the no. start a little argument, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, mate, you're, you're essentially using an entirely solid fuel, um, you know, um, way of powering the barbecue, right? So the bark on the brisket yesterday was absolutely insane. Um, you know, I've, I've actually not had bark like that for a while. Maybe, you know, Oklahoma Joe Bronco definitely is up there, but it was supreme bark actually. Yeah, it looked it look good. It looked good. So get along and have a look at that post and the little videos that uh, your daughter Zoe was making for you during she things was. awesome on the Meat yeah. Mafia Collective page. So right. you know where to go for that. Mm. I had um, I saw somebody else was doing this actually, or or, or talking about it um, on the pages the other day, and I had to we we um, had taken out a whole scotch that we had in the freezer. And I've been defrosting it slowly because we were meant to have people over for lunch on Sunday. And then obviously we got locked down on Saturday night, so they couldn't mm. come. And I, I ended up with this whole scotch that I defrosted. Um, and I cut it. I decided I was just going to cut the whole thing into steaks. And I know I saw somebody else talking about how economical that actually was as a as a methodology for getting good steaks rather than, you know, buying them two at a time or three at a time. And, and I, I think I got 15, three you know, three centimeter thick steaks out of this thing or 16 steaks. That's out a of big, it. that's a big steak to start with, mate. If you got 15 out of it, that's pretty good. Yeah. Well, it was a full size thing. You know, it's kind of, I, I don't know. I can't remember what the, the, the um, weight of it was well over three kilos. So it was a, a proper full size one that I bought a while back. And then because I just cut it up and backpacked it back in and, and was able to refreeze it because I'd done it in a fridge. I hadn't, I hadn't defrosted it really quickly, so I think mm. it's safe to, to refreeze because it had always been in a temperature-controlled environment. But it was just a really good way of um, utilizing a big bit of meat, and now we've got kind of steaks rages, and that means uh, steak practice as well for SEA. So it's a, a good excuse. Little uh, little hack for you, mate. If you go onto that puresouth.com, um, puresouthshop.com website, they're doing the frozen 55-day dry-aged. So I, I actually bought one of those and I took it into Reuben and got him to bandsaw it into steaks for me and then fat packed it as it was frozen. So <laughs> the the frozen one's quite a bit cheaper than the fresh one. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. little life hack for you. Exactly. Now, um, something else I saw online, which I wanted to do a little shout out for from the t- uh, Tauranga Boys College. Um, and I just saw that one of their teachers who obviously um, – 
is into a little bit of the barbecue. I think he's a a history and social studies teacher or something like that. Normally he'd been given asked to cover a maths class. And I thought it was genius. He turned maths class into ah, barbecue class. I saw that. That was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, there was a group of them, apparently a whole class, and they spent the day cooking pulled pork and doing all that and using um, barbecue to teach maths with conversion rates and weights mm-hmm. and measures and cook times and, and all that kind of stuff. And I just thought that was brilliant. And obviously these boys um, were really getting into it and, Obviously, when you know the the outcome of your maths class is probably two kilos of pulled pork to eat to a bunch of fifteen and sixteen year old boys, that's kind of legendary, right? Mm. Uh, but what a great thing! So Charles Wilson down in um, Tauranga, there, like, good on you. That was a awesome little thing, and there was a little bit of a conversation going on, and you know, it sounds like they are thinking about whether they can almost make a school. Uh, team to come and compete and I know in America they do high school barbecue competitions Mm. so it'd be great to get some high school schoolers in there and if you're a you know purveyor of meats or rubs or equipment or whatever that could help them do that then you know I think you should get in touch with them and uh, offer some services so hopefully get them along some point um, this year that'd be amazing to see I reckon. Mm. Yeah I picked that up earlier mate as an absolutely awesome way to get the kids involved in cooking and um yeah, obviously education as well. Very smart guy. Can't remember having many teachers like that at school, can you? <laughs> I wish I had one teacher like that at school, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> that would have been great. I don't think they know how lucky they are. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now, um, with it being COVID and everybody locked down this week, just a thing for anybody in Auckland, I think, make sure we support our friends in the barbecue industry. I know lots of Lots of our businesses are still operating for you know all your usual rub deliveries and and you know I know the butchers are open this time which is great so make sure you support them but safely with masks and sign in and all that kind of stuff but but also our friends in the hospitality industry I think they need us most what do you reckon Noel? mate yeah I I couldn't agree with you more I mean look um, we're kind of last couple of weeks we've been in and out of lockdown you know and I know. You know, to name a few, more pork, obviously, smoking coals, Blue Ox Babe, Rosier Burgers, um, I'm at Dion, um, obviously, Blaze and Glaze, Lucian, GQ, Brendan, you know, they're all um, catering, they're all doing pop-ups. Um, a lot of those guys have got stock that they obviously had on hand to feed the public, and now they're not able to sort of open the doors. So if you are fancying a bit of barbecue, you know, please get along and support one of those guys. It's really important. Obviously, we want to get them through this and out the other side so they can uh you know we can go and hang out at their establishments and have a good time like we normally do so um yeah get along to one of those guys if you can absolutely now a little bit of competition roundup uh unfortunate unfortunate news um which lots of people have seen the Brewtown competition down in wellington that was meant to be um on the weekend i think of the 15th they've had to take the uh really hard decision with all the stuff going on in the country to to postpone that one, whether it goes to next year or we're able to squeeze it back in later in the year. Um, but I think, you know, the right decision was made. Very unfortunate. A lot of gutted people who love that comp. Um, but just one of those things. So Brewtown cancelled. And the next competition here, I believe, will be uh, Smoke on the Coast. So let's keep our fingers crossed that we're not locked down for that one. Mm. And we get to do that. But what does COVID bring back? It brings back the great COVID cook-off 2021, which is uh, exciting. Um, so we're back into virtual competition land. And 
I did, we saw the post went up from Derek, who's who's running it again this year, and a great um, level of interest. Like it was super level of interest on on that for people to get into it, and so easy. Um, now, if you're listening to this close as we release it, which we you should be, it will be won't have happened yet because it's on the sixth and seventh of March. Um, open beef, so anything beef you could do. A burger, you could do a brisket, you could do steak, you could do shin, you can do whatever you like. So, um, you know, keep an eye on what the rules are, though. Well, not the rules, but the, you know how they're judging it, because you don't want to sort of set yourself up to fail at the beginning. But essentially, anything goes. I'm sure they'll be looking for creativity and all those kind of things. Great set of judges. So you've got Matt and Tracy Melville from Rum and Q, uh, Luke Sini, head of the NZBA, and Mr. Jack Daniels. Adam Winter from the Four Sourcemen, and Kane Stanford, who apparently is a very well-renowned cocktail judge. I don't know if that was a, an official an official thing or he just likes drinking cocktails, but uh, he's on <laughs> he's on the panel, so we'll find okay. out. Right. Um, and and awesome prizes, like a lot of really good prizes from uh, multiple lots of meat and meat vouchers. Uh, I think Ken has put up one of his flamethrower things to light your your charcoal there's um i think derek's put a pure cue in there yeah i think three rivers um angus beef put in a 10 kilo box as well um i've cooked with that meat it's bloody awesome so that would be a good one to win for someone so heaps and heaps of prizes lots of uh possibilities for people uh so and and really easy i think all you've got to do is take pictures or a video and and that and, and you get to eat it all so you know what, what what could be better than on a saturday or a sunday doing a bit of a a cook-up and maybe getting a win off it so are you, are you gonna get involved in that mate or i am i've already uh, said that we're eating beef at some point over this <laughs> over this weekend i just want to see what the uh, criteria is before i decide what we're going to do of course because you'll have a couple of um carreras up your sleeve won't you that you'd bought for upcoming comps wouldn't you i don't actually at the moment um, oh. i'm empty on those because we were about to repurchase some but we're going to yeah, we're just going to wait. But Hold uh, off. No, so yeah. I'll, I'll make a decision to see what we're going to do. Nice. Uh, now, we all we all love the tip. <laughs> and Noel, let's talk. Let's say what is what is what's Noel's just the tip for this Mate, week. I always loving you. I'm loving giving you just the tip every week. Um, so, mate, actually, it's more of a, a a bit of a discovery on the meat front, really. So. I was in New World in Glen Innes um, the other day and they had um, rolled lamb flaps. So they were kind of like a a roulade of lamb flap. And obviously that's probably one of the cheapest cuts on a lamb that you can get. So it's the bit that's past where the rib bones are and it sort of keeps all the internal organs together in the stomach area. So there's those flaps there. And they'd been trimmed up, so all the sinew had been taken off. Um, they'd been rolled and tied, basically, and they were about, I think they were about seven bucks, six fifty, seven bucks each, like super cheap. I think I paid thirteen dollars fifty for the two rods. Um, and I just thought, oh, look, I'll just smoke them. You know, I, I sort of treated them like a rib, um, smoked them a lamb rib, smoked them at about three hundred. Um, thought I'd go a little bit slower. Um, it was a roughly four-hour cook at three hundred. Um, but it's probably one of the best things that I've eaten lamb wise that came off the barbecue. Um, absolutely amazing. So these were rolled up, um, prior, but obviously if you do have a whole sort of, um, rib cage and flap, you can actually trim that off 
roll that up and you know make the ends uniform and it's probably one of the best things i've eaten off the barbecue without a shadow of a doubt it was a beautiful you know lots of fat lots of great flavor in the meat um yeah just an absolute revelation so i'll be seeking those out from now on so uh, if you're looking for something interesting and different to try um yeah recommend rolled lamb flaps give that a go Maybe not every night because they are very fatty. <laughs> well, mate, much. these <laughs> ones have been trimmed pretty heavily, you know, so they were – it was a lot of meat on them, actually. I was quite surprised. I was expecting them to be more fatty, but the butcher had done a really good job on trimming them, so it was just like a beautiful, tasty, moist medallion, you know, nice. of meat. And I think we had about four each, so it fed four people quite easily. Um, so, yeah, really, really cheap meal for four people. If you get a couple of those, it's, it's awesome. Brilliant. Well, you can uh, withdraw the tip now and um, think about <laughs> who, if you're waving that meat sword around, who is going to be anointed and tapped on the shoulder with the uh, with the gladius of <laughs> Noel Barbecue Jesus tonight for Cook of the Week off the pages. Who who gets the honor? Jesus Christ. I've been reading well, a lot of um, I've been reading a lot of Roman novels at the moment. Like, you have know, you right? Yeah, so that's where the gladius comes from. That's the Roman sword. Been reading right. a lot of that stuff. Okay. Right well, um, this week, uh, Mr. Walter Smith, um, not the Breaking Bad Walter Smith, the NZBA Walter White. Uh, Walter White sorry, yeah. So he's um, he's done this reverse seared picana. So he's basically said reverse seared picana seasoned with the four sauce and beef rub going to keep on eating it until I regret it. So look, I'm a massive sucker for steak and chips. I can't really go past that. So he's got this beautifully medium rare Picano, a lovely fat cap, and then he's just got this pile of beautiful chips next to it. So I just couldn't go past that this week. So Walter, absolutely well done, mate. Cook of the week. That's awesome. Well done. Awesome work. I, I do. Yeah. Steak and chips. I mean, is there a better combo? You tell me. No, not really, mate. No, I'm just sure reminded me of how has a better combo. But, yeah. <laughs> oh, you, could chuck an, you could chuck an egg on it, though. Oh, you could. You could. <laughs> Steak, egg, and chips, mate. Mm, yes. <laughs> yep, you definitely So, yeah, could. well done, Walter, well mate. Cook of the week. Cheers. Awesome. Now, I think it's time to uh, beckon him through the, the special doors of the studio. So, Carl, come in. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, <laughs> Carl Granger, to the to the show. It's great to have you here. And as we said before, Carl's one of the most well-known faces on the New Zealand barbecue circuit, um, not only from his time as a competitor with the slow joint, who, and now I believe you picked up a RGC at Meatstock uh, in 20, this is where I'm going to get it wrong, 18? 18 yeah 2018 yeah nice which is massive yeah. achievement yeah has, so, some, has some memories has some memories flying through of the past uh with meatstock memories because exactly Auckland's so, obviously been the past few weeks so look we've uh you know you've obviously got, we've obviously got some uh, a seasoned competitor in the house but he's also um one of the key figures within the nzba and often now you will find him head judging and you know one of the key guys making both the NZB and the SCA competitions happen. So we're very grateful for that. 
Um, but before we get to, I've got lots of judging questions tonight. I'm sure you can tell you're waiting for judging questions from me. I want to know <laughs> all <I>. the things. <laughs> uh, but before we get to judging and all that kind of thing, let's go right back. And um, how long have you been cooking the the barbecue and doing the low and slow for? Um, I've always been a barbecue. I've been that guy. I've been that guy that walks up to uh, someone else who's on the barbecue and go, oh, do you reckon you should just sort of move that there or turn that there? <laughs> do this, do that. They call that, they call that a pest, <laughs> don't they? <laughs> and, and in different, um, various forms, um, as far as barbecuing goes, I've uh, kicked off young, cooking on the old man's um, wood-fired hot plate. Then he converted that into gas, and like the rest of New Zealand, really moved moved into gas and became the the gas king. Uh, had uh, fell into the trap of being one of those yeah, having a six, eight, twelve burner gas barbecue and doing that before before seeing the um, the errors of my ways and going back to to what I what was what I knew, which was the charcoal barbecue. So I think so when when did you come back to it? Do you know? I think probably 2014. I think I, mm. I went along to a move where um, in Auckland went along to a Taste Auckland show. Ran into a couple of mates at uh, Neat Meat and um, Will there at Will Neat Erickson. Meat. Was, yeah, yeah, was cooking up, cooking off some some steak on uh, probably one of those the old acorn. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, tr- I transitioned my six burner gas barbecue to an acorn and um, started getting back into back into charcoal that way. Had my my th- son's first birthday, cooked that uh, got a suckling pig off again off of Will Erickson. And um, we uh, stuffed him full of uh, pork sausage and breadcrumbs, curled him up and squeezed him into the acorn and cooked the whole suckling pig. <laughs> So it looked like a pig donut, did it? Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, and having a whole heap of one-year-olds running around pulling pieces of a whole pig apart is quite mm. interesting. Well, they'd have loved it. And it mm. So oh, what, what, yeah. what, what took the slow joint into competition? I mean, how did you sort of get to that point where you're like, I want to take the plunge? Um, so I guess meat stock is what all – what drew us into competition barbecue. So 2017 or well, 26 end of 2016, we saw some ads coming up on, um, on social media about a barbecue competition and a meat stock festival, which I myself was humming and hurrying about, actually that'd be quite cool. Be pretty keen to jump in and do some competition and wasn't, wasn't overly sure. And then uh, a friend of mine um, through sailing circles and, and, uh, barbecue as well and uh Anatole Perry rang me up and goes I, I've entered meat stock and you're on my team oh there you go <laughs> decision made <laughs> awesome now he Anatole has a pretty impressive vehicle with the slow joint all over it now is was that he's got a for anyone who that's, hasn't seen that's it is, that's Izzy's yeah so Israel oh, Israel Eva right. so Eva's he, yeah he's got yeah he's got the Range Rover the old the old landing, I mean, yeah, hill, land rover. Um, 
oh, he'll kill me because I don't know what year it is. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a sort of late 60s Land Rover, doesn't it? I, I thought it was yeah. a sort of late, late 60s yeah. jobby. Defender. Yeah. yeah. It's, a be- it's a beautiful vehicle. Yeah. And and the trailer that goes with it as well it's, mm. comes comes in very handy and uh, it's a yeah, it's a great great vehicle and a great spectacle. Although <clears throat> I've uh, refrained from taking the journey with them down to on the drive down to Napier, you end up being <laughs> dri- driving that with the trailer and uh, down to Napier, you end up being like one of those um, open top plane pilots or something. <laughs> <laughs> Now the the Land Rover obviously it's uh, covered in the slow joint um, branding. So was the slow joint on the Landy first, or did the the Landy get the slow joint treatment? No, the Landy got the slow joint uh, treatment. So the original slow joint team um, in seventeen evolved evolved slightly, and Izzy joined the team in twenty eighteen and brought along with him a pretty spectacular vehicle. Um, that yeah, <laughs> that really needed the slow joint name added to it. So we, yeah, we we kicked off the team for the first meet stop and jumped into that. Had a great time at that first meet stop. Met some sensational uh, people. Made some really good friends, um, which obviously continued the day. And the community has just been awesome. Um. And right off the bat, like the first, that first first comp, 2017, um, was sort of the what kicked me off on wanting to learn more about the barbecue scene as well. So pretty much straight away, I jumped across to Sydney, went to Sydney Beatstock and joined in, um, jumped in with Adam Roberts of ABA and, and the team there and jumped in and had my first crack at... Uh, or getting involved in the judging. There, and how, how, how different was the Sydney scene at that time? Because they would have been a few years ahead of us, right? And um, obviously a, a big base of people. Like, was it was it just head-spinning kind of time or? Uh, not so much. Like, we, we thought, oh, these guys have been in it for a couple of years and they've got um, yeah, tried and true practices. There's definitely a core member of guys that, that um, yeah, what, what you can learn from them is invaluable. But um, as far as what we'd seen put up and what we'd handed in and seeing what was coming across the judging table, we weren't too – like New Zealand at that point wasn't too far off. We were – but, um, yeah, New Zealand – like we've we've had the advantage of learning from the Australian competition scene and I think we've, yeah, we've taken that step a lot quicker than what the Australians – like they've obviously established and worked through that they've already set the set the journey for us and uh, it was, made it easier for us to jump on, I guess, and learn. Because how many how many teams would there have been at that one? Was that when they were getting up into that kind of nearly a hundred, or or was it a more reasonable? Uh, no, nah, they would have would have been in the fifties for Sydney. Okay, so about the same as we are now for meat stock. And then you, uh, so you had some some decent successes with the slow joint, but um, kind of stopped, or the slow joint wound itself up, didn't it? And then you kind of jumped over to the more the organisational side of things and being involved on that side. What what drove you to make that jump rather than sort of stay competing? Uh, well, I've always been, always thought I'd continue to compete, and the team 
we yeah we were still interested in competing some of the guys have been distracted with some other hobbies a couple of the boys are sailors um and there's a fair bit of money that goes into boats <laughs> uh, <laughs> so hasn't so, anatel refurbished his whole boat hasn't he like he's been working on that for yeah. quite a while has yeah. he finished yet or is it just an ongoing thing oh with a boat it's always ongoing always <laughs> ongoing <laughs> So let's yeah. say let's say the slow joint is hibernating. Is that a better way to to put it? Yeah. And it might come back out at some point when when the winter breaks. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we're sort of looking now that coming out the back end of of COVID to some degree that if meat stock comes back, we're pretty keen to jump back in there. Meat stock's always been a favourite for us. Um, it's always a it's always a great weekend. Um, yeah, we always have a lot of fun at meat stock. <laughs> So, so, but what drove then the jump to, um, you know, being head judge and, and getting involved in the NZBA and SEA? Like, how did, was that just because, you know, you just can't stay away? You couldn't not be involved? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> if I'm not, if I'm not competing, I still want to be involved in some way, way or fashion. Um, I'd always like from the outset 20, in 2017, uh, joining in and learning, learning the judging process and getting involved from there. It's just been a, um, yeah, been a progression of, yeah, wanting to stay involved in it, um, helping out the the uh, barbecue community and uh, getting competitions going, up and running and going, because we need, um, yeah, I mean, there's a fair bit of admin behind running these competitions as well, and to um, be able to assist in any way I can. It's just, um, but it, it's also, it's, it's really enjoyable being involved um, with the teams, but also in, in that, that judging process and seeing what, uh, how teams are progressing and and what's going on. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah, and you do an awesome job as well, mate. I mean, um, how, how does the judging actually work? I mean, walk, walk us through the process. The process, um, well, it's pretty. I mean, it, it's essentially pretty straightforward in that we need. We've got a, we've got some great great teams, and they need they need to be judged um, on their merits. So we'll we'll. Uh, collect a team of, of judges across um, all facets of life. We, it, it's quite good to have um, a good range and spectrum of, of judging personnel. Um, we've got some some guys that have been judging for quite a while, which is which is great, and to get some established judges and some and some good knowledge there. But it's but it's also good to bring bring new blood um, and new opinions through as well on the, mm-hmm. in that judging um, scene. So we. We run, depending on the number of teams that you've got, so we'll, we'll always run tables of six. So obviously everyone in the uh, in the competing um, scene knows about judge number six, which is <laughs> <laughs> changed <coughs> changed a little bit now. But Alex's so. favourite judge, that is. That stopped him getting the perfect perfect in beef. No, no, no. <laughs> The only time Judge Six can actually damage you, because normally Judge Six gets dropped off, because Judge Six is the you know the one score we drop. So I've now started shifting my ire to Judge Five. Um, is there a is there like a formula for how many judges you need at an event? Like a minimum, maximum? Like is it done by you know you need to do certain number by the number of teams or by tables or how does that work? Um, so I did like for. NZBA, ABA, ideally we look at pretty much a judge per team. So we'd, 
we're we're always running tables of six, so obviously it needs to be um, six or um, variants of six. So, for instance, if you had a, a competition of 20, 24 teams, you'd want um, four tables of six, which is nice and easy. Uh, and yeah, essentially you're seeing so six six handed boxes will go to a table and they'll all judge um, six boxes. We we can we've got we've got some variation in that if there's slightly more teams, we'll run seven or eight boxes to a to a table, or you might only get four or five depending on how many judges we end up having. But they come one at a time, right? They don't all come. Yeah, sorry, you're not no, sitting yeah, at a sorry. table and you've got suddenly six boxes in front of you, no, and no. you've got to work it out. No. It's a, and it's a it's a complete completely blind process as well. So you guys all you you guys will all know as far as the um, competition teams. You come up, you hand in your box to um, we'll have a, a hand in someone checks off the boxes, and we have a randomised number numbering system for for and for each of the categories as well. So your number will never be the same across all of the categories. It'll always be different. So you'll come in and you'll hand your box in. We'll write on the box whatever your random number is one D. 6e whatever um and then those boxes and which is quite different from kcbs in that with kcbs competitions which is a american sanctioning body they'll collect all of the boxes in before any of the boxes go out to the tables what we do is because we've randomized it at the, at, at the start we can we'll, the table the boxes can come in and then we'll send them straight out to the to the tables so the, the judges get the get um, that hand in box and it's in the, the best condition that they can get it in. So it's not sitting around going cold. Um, yeah, that's there. great. Yeah, and doing it. And, and probably something that's driving a lot of the teams I know at the moment, we're all trying to work out what the best time of the hand in window is to, to hand yeah. our box in to, to avoid, you know, X, Y, Z factors. But if I'm a, if I'm a brand new judge and I turn up on the day, what does my day look like? Like, what what are you what do you do for me? What do you what what do I expect when I when I get there and and get in the tent? Because I guess it could be quite daunting, but it shouldn't be right. It should be really accessible. So what what's my day? Walk me through the day. Um, well, first off, you're there. You're there. You enjoy barbecue, um, and that's pretty much foremost what we want to put in, put in your mind as well. Your uh, depending on the event as well. We um, yeah we. We we want you to provide your best effort to provide your best um, ability to those teams that are handing in their boxes as well. So basically, you're going to turn up. We'll, um, if, well, we tend to do a couple of hours just before the first hand-in. So we'll take you through a course. We'll walk you through our expectations and your expectations of us, and uh, how we're going to how we're going to run run the day, run the schedule. It's a it's a full we're basically it's a full table service we're gonna we're gonna um feed you <laughs> um although we do point out that uh it, it is a um it's not a it's not an eating competition it's a it's a judging competition <laughs> i think there are some people who probably approach it more of an eating competition aren't they? <laughs> And I think that's a, that's an interesting point because you have to have um sub ins don't you in case of the the dreaded sweats and it does happen, right? You do, you do need them. You do. I mean, competition barbecue. There's a fair bit of uh, additives Salt. that get yeah, <laughs> get put into the meat. It's it's competition barbecue. It's not backyard barbecue. So 
yeah, you've got um, phosphates and and all sorts of things that can have have an effect on your uh, on your on your guts <laughs> during the day. Um, and yeah, it's it's basically supercharged barbecue. So we want yeah we emphasize to the guys just take it easy, just pace yourself. We don't want you to blow out blow out and not be able to give your best for that judging, especially. I mean, the likes at the end of the day tends to be things like brisket, which is the king of meat. That's the thing you want to be tasting as well on top of that. Um, but, yeah, we have we have a few, few – we, we'll rotate um, judges around so we're not over <laughs> overfeeding people. But it's always a challenge. A lot of people will uh, take it upon themselves to eat every single rib that goes, that goes in front of them, uh, comes across in front of them. That's just Noel, isn't it? I was going to say, I'll just put my hand up to that. <laughs> I remember the the first, I judged the first meat stock and, um, you know, it was probably one of the best experiences I've had in judging, but I literally ate every single piece of meat that was put in front of me. And that was probably pre-injections and pre-phosphates and everyone was making their own rubs. So there wasn't as much of the sort of, um, you know, it, uh, additions, I guess, but mate, it was awesome. I loved every minute of it and I managed it all and, yeah, I was floored. I don't think I ate until the following evening. Actually, <laughs> it was great. So, so if if I, I'm judging, you're, you've taken me through the tra- training kind of thing and given us a bit of a you know idea of what we should be looking for and all that kind of stuff. I sit down at my table. What a like what what's that experience like? Just sitting down at the table and what what happens and you know what what am I expected to do? So basically, you you'll be sat, sat down at a table. What we, we um, rotate rotate the tables as well. So we will assign a table captain to a table, and that table captain stays at that table for every single every single round. But we'll ro- rotate the rest of the judges around. Um, Why'd you do that? And, and try and shuffle them around. Or we, we want to avoid anything that potentially could become the likes of a table of death, where you have five judges that are. <laughs> low scoring or something although through the process as well we'll coach coach people through that as well ask i'm always asking questions through that process why did you yeah what did you think of that why did you think um and but we'll also, I'll also keep an eye out on what the scores are doing how the how it's scoring say the rest of the table scoring nines eights nines or something and then you've got some guy scoring sevens or sixes and so on <laughs> and just yeah you don't want to be that sort of thing. But yeah, sit sit down at the sit down at your tables in front of you. You'll have your um, you will have a placemat. So a placemat with uh, eight eight spaces on on your placemat. You've got a score sheet to uh, write your scores down. Obviously, you've got um, pen napkins to clean yourself up. And uh, with uh, through through the uh, through the years, we've moved on and we've got we've also now start handing out wet wipes. Wet wipes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've judged. I think I think I judged. I judged epic the epic the first epic comp, and there was no wet wipes there, and I had to send someone out to get some baby wipes because my beard was just caked in rib sauce. And yeah, good call, mate. Good call. Um, yeah. So and then obviously water because we, we emphasise the guys get get water through. We we definitely don't expect you to be sitting down at the table with a um, with a tasty amber amber beverage. We um, encourage you not to drink too much. There's no issue with having a beer during the day or something, but obviously we don't want you turning up 
um, with a beer in hand or having indulging in too many. It obviously affects your, your tasting ability plus your your ability in general. <laughs> <laughs> and so the first box comes out and I'm, I'm sat at the table and so what, do we just, does everybody just grab stuff and off you go or is there a process? Yeah. Like how, uh, so does, the, how does it work? So, so we'll have, yeah, so we have a number of runners that will run the boxes out to the tables. The box goes to the table captain. Um, now the table captain will read out the box number for the rest of the team. You write your what, what the box number is on your card. It's very helpful for me when I'm filling in the scoring <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, and then the table captain basically op- opens the box and that's your presentation score. So first, first scoring piece is presentation. So they'll just open it, show it to the table and all the guys write down what they score as, a, as presentation. So your scoring is um, 10 through to 5. Anything below 5 is a head judge intervention and in that will come around and it's going to be some, it's going to be an infraction, something like they've left tin foil on bones, um, piece of string on a brisket. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, the chicken... I think that's still raw for a certain team out there. That string on the brisket. I'm not sure we're even allowed to mention it. We'll get complaints. Um, yeah, and and chicken's always an interesting one as well because um, when you're smoking chicken, obviously it's got a pink hue to the skin anyway. So people will, will bite into it and go, "Oh, I think it's raw." But so we'll we'll have a look at it. We'll make a call. Is it actually raw? Is it just the um, the smoke that's um, the smoking or the process that's made it? that color um obviously we don't expect them to be tasting raw chicken <laughs> we're not there to, to uh, <laughs> wipe out the judging team um on on that but other, yeah the scoring and we and we sort of and we talk the guys around what, how the scoring should sit and where, and where it should sit given all of you guys as competitors are um have spent a lot of money to get to a competition you've spent a lot of money on your meat you've spent a hell of a lot of time um, refining your processes and getting there and stuff. And so the last thing we want to do is have um, a set of judges in there that are going to be scoring sixes and sevens. Um, and that in that process it does obviously <laughs> that's a complete frustration on any any competitor to see see that sort of stuff coming through. So so long as there's consistency. Um, and that and that's the beauty of six six judges on a table. And that you you get a good you get a good spectrum of um, of judges as well. Mm. So, mate, if you had to sort of summarise what you have to look for in particular when you're judging a barbecue box, I mean, let's just take one box. Let's take ribs for example. Um, what are they sort of instructed or taught to look for specifically? I mean, for those of you know who have never competed, or even the ones that have been competing for quite a while, you know, what what would you say? the instructions are that they need to look for, you know, how would you summarize that? Uh, for ribs as a, as a key, I, I mean, yeah, let, let's take ribs as an example, you know, we won't run through all of them, but let's take ribs as an example, you know, what, what would be a, a sort of a good looking box, you know, taste texture, you know, talk, talk us through that. Yeah. I mean, well, appearance, appearance is starting out as obviously. So as, as far as the um, scoring goes, appearance is the, um, so it's single weighted. So you scored out of ten, but you're only going to get a maximum of ten points um, mm-hmm. as far as parents goes. Uh, texture is double weighted. 
So again, you scored out of 10, but you've got a maximum score of 20. Mm-hmm. And um, taste is um, the premium. So that's triple weighted. So you're going to get, you get scored out of 10, but you've got a maximum score of 30. So, so a full table, full ta- a full score. So if you get a perfect score, you're, looking, you're getting 300, um, 300 points for the table. Um, with if you were to like dropping that, dropping that um, judge number six, potentially a, a perfect perfect would be three hundred and sixty points. And getting that, what you're looking for, um, as far as appearance goes, is, I mean, it it it, it looks good. It looks um, it's well laid out. Um, the the way that it's presented is appealing. Uh, if it's sourced, that the source is nice and even, it's got a nice even sheen across it. It's not all um, running off one end of it or something, or pulled into into the middle or gluggy and stuff. The rub, the rub has got a, a good. Um, it's consistent across across it, and basically, it just look, it looks good and it looks appealing. As far as uh, texture goes, when you start looking at ribs, and this is the point where um, we sort of emphasise, you go to a restaurant, I think, and a lot of ribs are cooked, what well, restaurant ribs are cooked to that fall off the bone process, um, level Point, where, yeah. where the meat, meat's going to, you're going to pick it up and and, the, and when you bite into it, the whole lot just pulls away from the bone. What we want to, what we want is um, that, that, that point, that cooking point where it's, you, you can bite into a rib um, and take a bite out of it. It'll leave a bite mark. Um, you'll get a good, and it's a nice, it's a good, a good bite, a good chew, and stuff. It's going to leave a mark there. It's like when you bite into it, the whole lot's not going to fall off of the rib. Um, and and to the other degree, when you bite into it, it's not hard to, it's not tight. You're not going to not being pulling away. Um, again, with texture, it's um, yeah, it, it's a good uh, good chew. Um, fat's being rendered well. Um, it's not yeah, it's not dry. It's not gritty. Um, if you've and then as far as um, taste goes, taste is completely subjective. People have got different tastes. But what we try and emphasize is that it's a, a, um, it's, a it's an approachable uh, um, approachable taste. You're not it's not overly spiced. I mean, people have got different tastes. Some people like hot, some people like sweet, some people like um, savory, not particularly savory. So yeah, you don't want to. It wants to be complementary to the meat. You still want to be able to ta- like for pork. You still want to be able to taste a pork rib. It's not a sourcing competition. Um, you, want to, you want to be taste. Still be able to taste the meat and the rub um, complements it, and the sauce is complements it. So this, yeah. So what you what you're saying is perfect perfect balance basically, right? So you're looking for sweet, heat, salty. Um, savory, you're looking for that entire balance that doesn't offend anyone, whether you're into heat or sweet, or it kind of has to hit all the notes for all of those flavor palettes, right? So really well balanced in terms of flavor. Back to the texture. I mean, you know, I guess the the instructions that I've heard is, is basically you want to see it leave the shape of your teeth and you want a clean bone behind that, but not falling off the bone, right? So yeah, I mean, that's, as we know, quite a hard thing to achieve in comp, right? There's a, a very small window you know, where you're either under and you're sort of tearing it off the bone or you're over and you take the whole side off with you. So, you know, it is quite a quite a fine art to get it to that, hey? Only thing I'd suggest that, like, cooking to that point as well, um, you've probably got a bit more leeway if you go slightly over, <laughs> slightly under. Yeah. 
But it's yeah. a, apparently, according to Harry, so it's an eight minute window of cooking. Yeah. Which might sound a lot, but when you've considered ribs are normally the second category of the day. And you've probably been up since three or four in the morning or some, some guys all night or, or whatever. And if you and that's, if you're cooking, not at 300 or 325 or something, if you're cooking that, then your, your time frame is even less and you've still got pork on brisket might still be on. There's still heaps of stuff going on. Eight minutes can go real fast and you can miss that very, very easily. I reckon you reduce that to about two when you're doing hot and fast, actually. And, yeah, and, and, and also if you rest your ribs as well um yeah i mean you can overshoot by a country mile if you're running hot and fast so yeah. you know, i've got a lot of respect for the guys running hot and fast ribs because that is a serious art right you've got to yeah. be well well alert 100 percent. now mm. um if you're if if people are sitting out there thinking i'd love to be a judge but i probably can't because i can't do it or i don't know how like what are the things that you go look if you want to be a judge this is what you need to know or do or or be thinking what's what's the criteria for being a judge just enjoy barbecue to be fair um enjoy barbecue um set aside set aside the day like depending on the competition it's either going to be a a day or a two-day competition um definitely if it's a two-day competition don't go oh i can judge on saturday but i can't judge on sunday so uh, can't really. <laughs> we want, yeah, we got the same guys across both days as and girls as well. Um, but it's an enjoyable. It's definitely an enjoyable day out. It's, it's not. It's not hard. <laughs> um, and you don't need to be like you know the the world's greatest palate or you know the most no, no. adventurous or anything like that. It, you can be. So, it's not, so in that case, it's not master who, Yeah, who who make the best judges, and who maybe. Don't make the best judges. <laughs> um, competitors, uh, competitors, somewhat are um, <laughs> are a challenge. <laughs> it's good though. Like, we really appreciate um, competitors coming along, and you'll learn. Like, if you are a competitor, probably the best thing you can do is come along and do a judging class um, and get involved in it. You'll sit. You'll learn you'll learn heaps, even though you think you know everything, there's always something you'll learn and there's something you'll pick up. Um, yeah, just have an open mind. Those people that have an open mind. Um, I've had a few, I've had a couple of caterers um, that were always a challenge that used to come along <laughs> to judging process and uh, spend uh, an, an, <laughs> a heap of time trying to reach there. Uh, coach them through the process and hey why are you judging it this way and that way and to the point it's like just just don't 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 need that um in Tarama we had um Matt Lambert who was I had a bit of trepidation about because he's a he's a chef as well um he's also a Michelin star chef he's a he's a Kiwi guy but he's got a restaurant in New York um and a number of restaurants here I mean I saw him on TV today, today as well um but no, he was great. He he was he was really really good and very very open minded, and he was well impressed with the food that came in um, at the Tarama competition as well. So um, just there, yeah, I mean, enjoy enjoy food. Obviously, um, if you're a vegan, you're on the wrong <laughs> you're on the wrong podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd be outside protesting outside meat stock, wouldn't you, guys? Those guys. <laughs> I, I would hazard a guess that our vegan listenership is pretty minimal. On yeah. the show. 
maybe, right. maybe if they're yeah. just trying to wind themselves up and like being angry, they would listen to us first, and then that be it. So, um, well, also as far as judging, as far as some uh, difficult judges, though, Noel himself knows. Um, I knew you were going to bring this up. All right, yeah, I was. I was pretty, um, yeah, yeah, I was pretty unruly actually. Well, it was Kumi, wasn't it? So, so the guy, that, the guy you. that turns up, yeah, the guy that turns up just as the boxes are about to turn up, you know, we ask all of the judges to be there fifteen minutes before turn-in window. Um, but then also, it's, it's also, it's also supposed to be a silent process during the during the judging. Yeah. Um, as opposed to sitting there talking to everyone about, oh, you should try this. Oh, this is great. So... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm very passionate about food. <laughs> no, what you're saying is Noel was the worst judge ever. Yeah. One uh, of no, yeah, one. <laughs> Luke always, um, he 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 always brings that up. Hey, eh? he can't he can't stop bringing that up. That was uh, a very funny day. But um, I think I think it was me trying to give seconds out on the day that was. Uh, oh, again, yes. Yeah, remember that. <laughs> yeah. So, what yeah. would you say? What are the most common things that you have to disqualify or put an infraction on? And what would you say? What's been the most surprising thing that you've ever seen in a box and had to rule on? Um, I was I was actually surprised at the um, string on the brisket. As far as um, does that one come in? I don't. Yeah, that, that that was pretty unique. Most most often it's things like um, underdone chicken, raw chicken, um, and then there's a few there's a few few things around rubs. What constitutes a rub versus a um, a garnish? <laughs> right. So okay. yeah, don't don't put. Don't put spring onions on. Don't sprinkle spring onions over your ribs. Uh, what about what about sesame seeds on chicken legs, mate? How do you feel about that? Uh, yeah. Um, there's been a few. There's been a few. There's been a few. There's been a few. I mean, and part of that as well, like you look at it and you and you go um, and you consider it. Let the guys and what I'll do as well is I'll let the let the table judge judge the dish for what it is, um, and then have a look at the total score and where that sits at the end of the day and where that ranks as to does it need to be um, squared back and and taken out. Um, the only one that, and Adam Morrissey will uh, be chasing me up on this every single time, but. Um, and at Taronga, we had a an open category, well, somewhat open category as far as dessert goes. And he handed in, I guess he was basing himself on SCA, but he handed in a farm baked cookie and a piece of store bought chocolate with a, um, I don't even know what part of it he actually put on the barbecue, but I was like, I think, this, I think he smoked caramel. I think he said he smoked caramel. But apart from that, everything was from the supermarket. I love that boy. Boy, he's awesome. It's like twenty percent, I think, of the dish was actually cooked. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened there? Was that a DQ or like? Oh, it was definitely a DQ. He a um, DQ. he scored. Yeah, it tasted I saw really good. Score. He scored really well on it because they scored it anyway, right? Yeah, <laughs> we, we, we'll, we'll score it. We'll score it and we'll look at it and stuff as well. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a cooking competition, not a what you can buy from a store and put it in a box. So, <laughs> so, so look, one of one of my things about judging um, 
and before we this is probably about the last thing we're going to talk about on judging but one of my things on judging is i'm really i'm quite passionate about it actually i quite because i I love talking to judges and I loved it at Tauranga actually where they came up afterwards. A lot of them came out and came and talked to the teams where often they don't really do that. And I learned um, quite a bit from some of the chats I had and I learned that some people were literally traveling two and a half, three hours. They were putting in as much effort as we were to compete, to come down and judge. And I thought it was brilliant. And one of the things I really would love to see us do and and it'd be great to hear what you think and what what might be happening is – how do we make the the process or the the involvement of judges kind of as rewarding as competing right how do we is there a way that you guys are thinking about or that that kind of creates some kind of like the pride of judging or those judges like you say that that like to come around to lots of different places how do we kind of recognize those guys is there a sponsor out there that might provide some kind of incentive like i because i know in um in the u.s uh there's they have those kind of like i don't know how to call them lifer judges and they collect all their badges and and all that kind of stuff and i, I just think we should be so grateful to judges because without judges we can't have competitions right we all hate the judges but we love the judges because without them we haven't got anything no, I, I mean it's yeah it's a it's a challenge myself as well and seeing like oh yeah you have judges and tents or whatever and you know them by face and by name well get to know them by name i'm hopeless at remembering people's names so apologies to everyone but um yeah you get to know them by face and it's great but um probably building up that database of people that have judged before and how many comps I've judged as well, because it's great having the people that have done it a number of times um, and being able to um, keep a track of, of uh, what they've judged and, and their involvement as well. Uh, the things in the US, they have um, oh, prime judges and um, lifetime judges and all that sort of, all that sort of carry on. But to a degree, some of those guys as well are all, um, oh, I'm a certified chief head judge or something whereas it should yeah it's i don't know if it really benefits us here to that degree but um, i don't think that's the kiwi way is it to make it hierarchical um yeah it's an interesting it's an interesting debate and probably a three-hour debate right (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah but but it's it's great having the uh, yeah i mean and the guys that come come along and and they're they're tripping like we want to give them the, the best experience we can give them as well and we mm. really appreciate really appreciate the what the effort and what they're putting in as well i mean yeah like you say um a lot of the guys even in tauranga for instance we had um i had obviously clint came out from wellington but there's a few others that have traveled up from wellington as well that um, just came up for judging um and a lot from out of region that want yeah wanted to come and wanted to be involved in it as well so yeah, I think um, that was what really hit me. I was talking to, um, I was talking to one lot who they come down from north of Auckland, and for people who don't know what that means, it's probably a good three, three and a half hour drive. It was longer than my drive, right? <laughs> and I, I was going down there to compete, and they were there for both days, and they'd obviously paid money for accommodation and travel, and I just really impressed um, about how they'd you know, put that much effort in. And I just, I just think there should be a way that we either recognize that or actually I would just like to encourage more judges afterwards. Don't just kind of leave, come and talk to the teams. Cause 
Yeah. Yeah, you'll get shown yeah. a few boxes and asked if you did it. But uh, if you judge <laughs> that box, then we're all trying to find a little bit out. But I just found it really, really interesting just talking to them and finding out what sort of um, flavors they'd got or what sort of, you know, like what their experience yeah. had been. I, I just thought, I thought it was brilliant. We encourage them to hang around, especially for the prize giving as well, because I've sat through and they've gone, oh, I reckon this was the best box. Um, I reckon this was the best team. So it's always good for them to be there at the um, prize givings, especially to see how teams place and what teams, yeah, how they did as well. It's, it is a um, like some people will say, oh yeah, I reckon I had such and such as box, but the way that the boxes come in, the way that they're randomised as well, it is pretty different. Yeah, you can say, oh, I reckon they they handed this one in, and this is what this was. I mean, if it had sesame seeds, if they put sesame seeds on the chicken or something, <laughs> it's had beginning starving. <laughs> it would have been disqualified, but hey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, mate, I've got uh, one more question on that that judging side. Um, what's the trickiest situation that you've had to deal with on that side of things? I mean, have you ever had to sort of kick someone out because they're being a little bit unruly? Have you had to, you know, what's the trickiest situation you've had to deal with since you've been involved? Um. Now the only one, well, I've seen a couple. As in Meatstock in Sydney, yeah, um, where a team got kicked out for, but that's that really comes down to the promoter. And again in Tarama, we had a um, a team that was very <laughs> unruly and needed a hell of a lot of a lot of help. Um, and they they were very close, but I, I sort of wanted to. I don't really want to. It's up to the promoter whether they want to. Um... That that was probably the only time in Tauranga that I've ever seen uh, a, the head judge have to come out and check a team's meat and assess <laughs> whether they think it's actually going to be cooked in time for the hand in as to whether they're going to be allowed to hand in. Or not. <laughs> Just thought it was incredible. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was it was pretty borderline as far as yeah, where I was going to where I was getting to that team. But I mean, I want to encourage. I mean, it's a brand new team. They uh, they were an interesting bunch, um, but definitely I wanted to I'd take care of the judges first and foremost, and I was pretty confident they weren't going to be in the top ten. Seafood seafood's always the interesting one. I get a, a hell of a lot of um, queries before, during, and after. <laughs> Yeah, I bet. I bet. It's so, mate, it's such an open category though, isn't it? I mean, you, you yeah. can't really blame them for asking that. But I know I know the um what was it? It was it the Kumu the last Kumu comp there was a um a seafood category, right? And there was a lot of salmon. A lot of salmon. Yeah. So I was just thinking about the judges sitting there smashing probably the most rich fish oil, oil, in all of the oil, world, oil. you know, you'd have been pretty full after that. And that was fairly early on as well. So yeah, yeah no, I, that's I, awesome. Well, I, and um, that after in 2017, when I went to Meatstock in Sydney and I judged at Meatstock in Sydney, they had a chef's um, chef's choice category, and I was sitting at a table and someone served up um, a box of oysters. I hate oysters. I, I can't stand oysters, and I'm like, how am I going to do? How am I going to taste this? How how am I going to judge this? Were they cooked? Um, yeah, they've been smoked. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah, they've been. Yeah. I don't, I can't know. I can't stand. I'm it. allergic so, to oysters, so I wouldn't have been able to eat those. So that would have been interesting. Yeah, it would have been excused from the seafood yeah. king. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd have happily filled in your scorecards for you. I, and I, in your I bet, I I bet you would. I bet you would. Yeah, I love them too, but I'm, yeah. You know what the question is we get most on this show? Is, <laughs> is 10 burning questions real? And <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I can tell you, and soon Carl will be able to tell you, that yes, <laughs> 10 burning questions definitely is real and would pass your head judge's test every day of the week. It might not score very highly, <laughs> but it is okay. going to, it is going to pass the test now because we're locked down. We haven't been able to um, supply you, but I believe you have something <laughs> of pretty much equal ferocity uh, that you've got. What have you got there, Carl, tonight for 10 burning questions? Oh, when you when you sent me because it was sort of a last minute thing as well, and then you said, "Oh, we're going to do the um, burning question. What hot sauce have you got in the cupboard?" And I'm like, "Oh, I don't know." And I had a look, and the only thing I've got in there, <laughs> Kelly's Reaper sauce. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty much just made out of Carolina Reaper, which is kind of similar to um, the Fire Dragons Dragon Fury from Barbecue Boy, uh, of course, from Fire Dragons <laughs> Chilies. Um, so does that have a Scoville rating on it or anything like that? Has it, has it told you what, what they reckon it is? It's pretty hot. I think I've had some of it. It's not um, it's not a, a, a cool evening walk in the park holding your your lady's hand. I'll tell you that. I know. It's, a, it's number 10, which I think is – I think the newer, the newer label actually has it as number 13. But then underneath it, it obviously says insane heat. So, oh, great. Hmm. <laughs> It's more if, 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 you know, a normal a Frank's hot sauce, a wing sauce is like taking a cool walk with your best lady in the park on a summer's <laughs> evening. This is like picking up a raging crackhead hooker on Hollywood Boulevard <laughs> and asking for a freebie. <laughs> Mate, I've had that. Sorry. I've had that Cully's Reaper sauce and it is not... Um... It's not a great time, to be honest with you, particularly in this format. So I'm looking forward to seeing this, to be honest. It's not, it's not, it's not quite the um, – remember Kumu of uh, – I think the original Kumu when um, Alistair Hodgson, is it? Um, oh, the Reaper Oil when we were doing, we were doing the single, single drops. Yeah, oh, mate, that, that's legendary. That, that was brilliant. I don't, know, I, don't know if you, I don't know if you were there for the film crew when we stitched them up, but that was even funnier. <laughs> so let's uh let's let's move to this and um so has everybody got a cracker with you got to take the lid off the sauce carl you can't tip the, no, no, the sauce with the lid off and no, I, haven't got, I, haven't, I haven't got any crackers so i've got some uh from from my hometown nelson proper crisps dill pickle so, uh with apple cider vinegar chips so that <laughs> that is going to be a taste sensation a apple cider dill pickle crisp with potato chip with reaper chili sauce on it so you want I'm about sure that much it. you want about that much on yeah. it Carl. you got to get a good yeah, amount much. right, right. So i think both no, no, we've got about a 50 cent piece size yeah uh, at, at sure least you. at least sure you have, sure you look have. look so, it's here mate see is on the camera on so, the camera know, we want a good a good blob there a good blob <laughs> i mean you could be like uh carl's starting to look a bit nervous <laughs> i do remember one of our one of our challenges for this, Mr. Glenn Manning, who decided that he was going to um, shot some hot sauce halfway through, which I think was a mistake, as he glugged it from the bottle. I seem to remember him <laughs> doing that. But. Okay, so here we go. You ready for your ten burning question? Ready to ready to Cheers, chow boys. down? 
Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Remotely, a remote virtual cheers. Here we go. Cheers. Mm. I might crack it a stale. <laughs> That's my trick. <laughs> I give Noel so much rubbish on the show about um, stale crackers, and mine are completely stale. Oh. Oh. How is it, Noel? How, how is the Reba? It oh. oh, there's going to be tears, and it's going to hurt. <laughs> Oh, yep. The and now remember we've got a no drink policy here, oh, so you're not allowed to take yes. any any liquid unless it's more hot sauce. Ooh. So oh, you can get one ready for the end. Yeah, get one ready for the end. Don't mind that. Oh, I'm going for the, oh, oh it's hot in it, Noel. It, it just hits coming. you straight away. Mate, it's, this one just keeps giving. Yeah, I feel like it's been a long time between drinks, and that has just smashed me. To be honest. I know it, but it it's feels like a... it's been a long time the way that just hit me. Sorry, the cap had to come off there. I've got the sweats on straight away. Same. Okay, oh. normally I would normally I'd mess about for a bit and try and let everything burn, but I'm burning a lot, so I'm just okay. gonna go straight into it, I think. Go for it. Carl, I think I know what this might be. What's your favorite type of barbecue to cook on and why? My PK. Definitely it's it's been used. Well, I've got two PKs actually, so I've got the the uh, PK original in a Go frame, and I've also got the PK Go, which is like a mini um, PK three hundred and sixty. But um, both of them are getting getting smashed daily at the moment. Hmm. So, you, so you've got a few few lonely barbecues, then I guess because you've got yeah, quite a few, haven't you? I've got yeah, there's seven at the moment sitting on the deck, and a few others in, <laughs> at other places. I think you might have to add a master built to that, mate. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm keen to have a play with a master built, but I'm also keen yeah. To no, you should come over for a cook. Actually, we should we should organise that. It's been a while. Um, once we're out of lockdown, for sure. Why are you two just chatting? I'm in a, <laughs> a lot here, and you're just having a chat. I'm trying to keep my mind off it by having a chat, mate. Yeah. So, Carl, um, <laughs> what's your favourite competition category? I reckon lamb. Mm-hmm. Lamb would be my favourite as far as eating and and cooking as well. I like. I mean, I'm loving cooking lamb at the moment. Cooking. Yeah. Lamb and all sorts of things. Yeah. Got to agree with you, mate. Lamb's awesome. Yeah. Brisket brisket used to be my favourite, but mm. yeah, I'd say lamb. Was, yeah. Yeah. I've managed to get chilli sauce up the back of my nose. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know how I've managed to do that. It's gone backwards. Mate, with a hooter like that, that wouldn't be hard, to be fair. <laughs> well, it's not even gone that way. It's gone from the back of the throat up. Mm. So... God there's no chance, on that. No, there's no chance of any COVID coming near us or this sort of stuff. So you feel uh, like you've snorted it, basically. <laughs> it's pretty hor- pretty horrible. Okay, what, so horrible. Oh, <laughs> what, what is your biggest fail to date? Biggest fail to date? Um, I don't know, actually. Uh, biggest fail to date? Let's, let's narrow it down. What's your biggest cooking fail to date? <laughs> biggest cooking fail to date? Yeah, it's true. That's a, um, 20... Actually, 2018 um, meat stock, the year that we got RGC. So this is the first time they had SCA. And I was I was adamant that all of my SCA category hand-ins were perfect and I was going to blaze and, and do awesome. Um, and got nothing 
no call ups, no nothing. Got I think maybe fourteenth in some category and bacon or something. And I <laughs> I was I was so disappointed, <laughs> so angry. I was like, what the hell? There's no way. Oh, oh. and um proceeded to and in, in, indulge indulge in way too many epics yeah. um that, that evening um before recovering in the earlier oh and and also helped out the team that was next to us, which was Mile Marker 66 at the time. They also had a stretch, and I was feeding, thinking that I was feeding um, wood chunks into my barbecue. I was actually feeding theirs. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, your head judge for the evening. <laughs> this is competition, not judging. That's yeah. awesome. That's so good. And, I, and you know that Matt, Matt can obviously listens to every show we do because he's been on. Oh, and yeah. I know he listens. So he'll he'll be hearing that. He knows. He knows. He knows. Yeah, he that's knows. awesome. So good. Uh, yeah, he he and Dean were in hysterics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, mate, what what's um? So so do you do you source your brisket? You know, when you were competing, did you have a tendency to source your slices or not source? No, no. Well, we didn't, we didn't source them per se. We would use a bit of uh, juice. Mm-hmm. Just give it a bit of a, a bit of a glaze, bit of a brush. Yeah, keep it moist. Yeah, but we wouldn't yeah, nice. actually. Yeah. What apart from that chip and sauce combination, which sounded, to be honest, actually, yeah. <laughs> if it wasn't hot sauce, I was just like, Ugh. Um, what is the strangest thing you've ever eaten? Strangest. Well, I've probably got a couple of um, a couple of options because when I was when I was younger and I used to work for Ends of Fruit. I was based. I was up in the UK office for a while and spent just prior to coming back, um, spent a few days in London, catching up with mates. It's like three days, three days in London and with zero sleep. As you do. <laughs> climbed onto a climbed into a plane um, at Heathrow. I had no idea if I was awake or asleep at that time or whatever, and uh, passed out on the plane. Woke up in Singapore and was destined for the uh, the Singapore office and um, Sharon May, the uh, sales manager at uh, Enzer at the time, picked me up, saw me, saw the state that I was in when I got off the plane, <laughs> took me straight, took me straight to a Singapore um, food market, and we had frog and snake. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so she eased you in gently, then, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> I was like, oh hell, that's that was horrible. But the other. Um, the other experience, a couple of years ago, I was up in Nanjing in China and was at a, at a um, banquet there and was there's a heap of stuff that was getting fed out and there was uh, jellyfish, um, dove head. Uh, dove head, wow. <laughs> some weird weird eel things that were coming out. No, no, this isn't for me. <laughs> oh, you didn't but, try them, no? You didn't try I the jellyfish? Try, I I try. I, I had the. I had jellyfish. I, the dove head was a bit much because I could see the eyes looking back at me. Yeah. Um, had had the eel dish, um, which wasn't pleasant, and oh yeah, just yeah, mate. They love traditional Chinese food. They love um. They love yeah. weird textures, a eh? crunchy yeah. cartilage and all sorts of things. So, definitely but also the contrast, of, contrast of flavors and stuff as well. Like you have a have a savory meal. And then one of the dishes is sweet. Is this dessert or is this? A... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah. best barbecue that you've eaten that's not yours, mate? 
Uh, maybe the whole hog at um, Bovine and Swine as mm. a pre as one of the pre meals for meat stock in Sydney, I think, or one mm. of the meat stock in Sydney that I've been to. Who runs um, Bovine and Swine? Who's the who's, uh, who's the Hillbilly Wes, isn't it? Hillbilly Wes, yeah, it's no longer, unfortunately. Mm. Um, yeah, he he was a legend. Actually, he came to meat stock actually one year. He was an awesome guy to talk to. Yeah. Yeah, really good. Mm. I think any time you call Phil Billy Wes, you should be a pretty good chap. Right? <laughs> yeah, oh, mate. You're not going to be a boring. Yeah. You're going to be a boring kind of guy. Yeah, <laughs> I got a, I got a picture with me and him actually. I might chat that up in the barbecue base page. He's a legend. Yeah. Uh, what What's your best moment in barbecue? Best moment in barbecue. Um, there's a couple, but. Probably like RGC at Meatstock obviously was was pretty special. Um, my parents were up as well, and probably the first time I saw maybe a tear in the old man's eye <laughs> going up there, but also sharing it with um, my son. He was up on yeah. jumped up on stage as well. Although that's a good and a bad thing because now every time he compete, he goes, "Oh, when are we going to go?" Uh, I was coming up on stage when you won. <laughs> <laughs> you set the expectations, mate. Eh? That was um, brilliant. Yeah. So, mate, for you, low and slow or hot and fast? Um, I pretty much nowadays it's, it's hot and fast. Um, yeah, pushing that stuff through. I even run stretch nowadays, hot. Um, I probably always did, really, but um, yeah, I I think most even my most of my low and slow cooks now are pretty hot. Ribs. Um, I mean, I've turned out. Turned out a few ribs of late in two and a half hours. I'm like, by mistake, but hey. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <'Cause> it's, but <laughs> yeah. it's pretty good. Um, and, yeah. and pushing a brisket through as well. So, um, yeah, I think I'm pretty much running pretty hot now. Yeah. I think that just comes with um, experience and confidence, doesn't it? Pushing the temperature up, it can be done, but it's just a bit trickier. Mm. You need to know what you're doing, don't you? Yeah, I mean, back in the day when I first kicked off, I used to be the, the one of those guys that had probes going in and out of everything, working out what my temp was, and spend all your time trying to make you run your temp at exactly like oh, go up a couple of degrees. Oh, I've got to bring it down and stuff. Nowadays, I just chuck it in the barbecue, see where the barbecue finds itself, and then just cook for that. Yeah. yeah. So, if you could sit down for a plate of ribs or chicken, talk with anyone in barbecue, who would that be? Anyone in barbecue? Um, I don't know. Like I've been, like I've, I've probably mentioned to to you guys quite a bit. I've been listening to quite a few podcasts and things as well of late now. So um, there's quite a few guys in in, um, in the states. I mean, I'd love to get back to get across the states and sit down with these guys and um, and just chill out. I'd like um, enjoy the experience of hanging out with Tuffy Stone. Um, and and helping out with some of his cooks when he was across for meat stock. Um, oh, Sam Jones. I reckon I reckon I'd love love some time with um, Sam Jones doing whole. I've I've really enjoyed doing whole hogs, um, and the style that he does whole whole hogs, I really enjoy. So I, I reckon, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd love a few few weeks over there mm. to, doing that. Yeah, that's a great answer. Yeah, it'd definitely be. Uh... Right. Mm. Yeah. And mate, if you were starting barbecuing again, knowing what you know now, what one one thing would you do differently? 
I don't know, actually. I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm really appreciative of the journey that I've gone through um, and the stuff. That I, the, definitely the people that I've met um, and and the lessons that I've learned as well. I mean, there's some, there's awesome people in New Zealand barbecue. There's awesome people in Australian barbecue as well. And it's a great community uh, to be involved in. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the lessons I've learned from Adam, um, Adam Roberts and, um, mm-hmm. and, yeah, even competition cooks and the stuff that he does, cooking by himself. Um, and, and just the, the guys, the guys here in New Zealand, I just, I don't, I don't know if there's much that I'd change as far as what I've done. Yeah. I like that answer. No regrets, eh? It's all part of the journey, yeah. all part of the process. So, yeah, no, I totally there, Yeah, there's some great there's some great stories of um, what we got up to in the early days and where we've come from. Things like um, Noel disappearing off to concerts in the middle of competitions and turning up. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, hell, man. No one lets me live that down. <laughs> 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 went, you know what? I went in the rum and Q shirt as well. I didn't even get changed. I was smashed. And I went in the rum and Q shirt, went to the Fat Freddy's drop and came back and put the pits on. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe maybe one thing that you'd do differently if you knew what you knew now is probably not agree to be on 10 burning questions, but you did yeah, survive. You survived. Uh, that, was, that one was particularly hot for me. So I'm going to officially lift the drinking ban. We can all have a little cool. My nose is, my nose is running. I've seen Carl's gone for his beer. I've got my double Jack Daniels uh, RTD here, which I'm definitely going to have a swig from. I need to top it up though. So I've got a, oh, a 16 a 16-year-old. That... It's got a little... Uh, a little dram glass going. So, look, Carl, thank you. Um, thanks for joining us, mate. I know you did step into the breach somewhat, but um, you were definitely on my list of people I really want to talk to. I think the judging thing is absolutely fascinating. Um, but where can people find you if they want to come find you online or where would you like to send people if you don't really want them following you? <laughs> you know, where, where, where do you want people to go look? Yeah, not K-Road, Carl. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the slow jump page slow jump page is um it's up and running as far as our comp team um we'll, we'll still be competing we'll, we'll drop some stuff in we were going to do um brewtown but it obviously hasn't panned out either um Real shame. and hopefully hopefully we're doing doing meat stock i've got grand plans did think about getting a site for that and i'm really keen at some point to do the old memphis and may two-story Two-story party site of a uh, bar upstairs and cooking area down below. Mm. So still keen to do something like that. You have to bust the wallet out. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a bit of quite a bit of thing. But um, I'll, I'll obviously be hanging around on the uh, barbecue lights. Anyone can can reach out to me for anything there. Anyway, if I've got any judging questions or anything, there yeah, we're all keen keen to help. Anything we do there on Instagram. Slow joints on Instagram, but I'm also I also on there throwing a few barbecue pictures up as uh, the beer mechanic um, on Instagram. Um, I don't TikTok. I did I did tweet <laughs> a few a few times, but no no longer. <laughs> so sorry on Instagram, it's at the beer mechanic, is it? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's just at, at beer mechanic, not that beer beer, just beer mechanic. Cool. Yeah. Awesome, mate. That's yeah. awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us, Carl. I, I, I'm sure you're going to get a lot of questions around judging now because um, 
even though we talk for a long time about judging, I'm sure there's going to be people who either want to get involved in judging. And, you know, I think if you're happy for people to sort of find out from you, how yeah, to sure. get involved and um, I think that'd be great. So thanks again for joining us. Uh, so that was Carl Granger and well, he's just leaving now <laughs> through the door. Hi, Carl. Uh, so look guys thanks for joining us he's wearing a tutu and he's got a wand and it's very dust it's how we roll on uh, barbecue base (laughs) but if um so that that's that's this week's episode um thanks a lot for joining us uh i need another few drinks after those fire dragon chilies i'm sweating my glasses steamed up uh i was having some problems i got attacked by my cat all sorts of things happened today it was uh, it was an eventful show uh if you want to come and find us um facebook barbecue base nz i believe i've been forgetting the nz bit i'll just there apparently barbecue base is a store in arizona or something so we're even sending a lot of traffic there i'm sure they're very happy with us Uh, but barbecue base nz um not bbq b-a-r-b-e-c-u-e um and make sure you hit subscribe rate review like all those give us five stars on apple all that kind of stuff wherever you listen to your podcast if you want to follow noel it's Meat Mafia Collective on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and, and YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yes, I remember them all. There we go. <laughs> uh, if you want to see Noel dance, you go to TikTok. That's where all Noel's <laughs> dancing videos, holding briskets me. and stuff are. <laughs> or they will be soon, because now he's going to have to go and make some. Uh, if you get really desperate and you want to come and follow me, I'm at Burnt Beginnings Barbecue on Facebook and Instagram. Once again please do subscribe rate review and like it really helps us out uh especially on apple and tell all your friends tell them what they're missing out on um and make sure they come along and listen but for now this has been barbecue base i do love how how uh noel you got a lot of shit today that was good i did i like that this chair was great Probably very, uh, I'd say, justified. Well deserved. Fully justified. Well deserved.